The Old Testament lesson for this, the fourth Sunday after Pentecost, is from the book of Job, the 38th chapter. And as I said, this will be also the basis for the message this morning. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds its garments and thick darkness its squaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus far shall you come and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not only to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry, but as servants of God we commend ourselves in every way. By great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying, and behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the fourth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. And on that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. 
Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning's message is from Job chapter 38. At this time I just wanted to highlight these words. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. This is our text. Well, over the years, we have had, I'm sure, several exams and tests to evaluate our knowledge. Some of those tests or exams we have probably passed with flying colors, and others we were maybe humbled by them and maybe even humiliated by those tests or exams. One such exam stands out for me. It was a Hebrew test. And I had to score 80% or higher on this test in order for me to be able to move on to the next level of Hebrew. Well, I had been doing quite well in memorizing the Hebrew words until we got to irregular verbs. Then I found that my brain had reached the saturation point, and no matter how much I studied, I could not remember those irregular verbs. Well, the test day came, and the professor handed out the sheet with a lot of scribbling on it, and I knew that I was in trouble because it all looked Greek to me, and I was in Hebrew class. And so I scratched a few Hebrew consonants on the page. I handed in my half-completed exam, and I trudged back to my dorm room to wallow in self-pity. And the humiliation became even worse when the professor handed back the test. And at the top of the page in bright red ink was the number 19%. I had scored a whopping 19% on the most important test in Hebrew class. And so what do you think I did? Well, I quit. I dropped out of the Hebrew class. I went right down to the registrar's office and said, I'm out of here. Well, just to let you know, I did finally return to take Hebrew again, and I did take that test again, and I did pass that test. In fact, In my seminary studies, I focused on Old Testament Hebrew exegesis. But on that day, I was so humiliated, defeated, I quit. Well, I hope that you have brought your pencils and your erasers to this service because our teacher, God, is going to administer an exam. An exam that is far more challenging than the Hebrew test that I failed so many years ago. And I hope that you're prepared to eat some humble pie. But let's first talk about Job. Job is a blameless and upright man. He feared God and he shunned evil. And he had seven sons and daughters. That's how the book of Job begins. Job is a wealthy farmer. He has several servants employed. And the book of Job tells us that Job was the greatest man among the people of the East. One might say that Job is the top student of his class. But 
life circumstances take a nosedive for this honor student. Job's oxen and donkey are stolen. His servants are murdered. Lightning kills his sheep. Marauders abduct his camels. A tornado massacres all ten of his children. His health deteriorates, and Job becomes the laughingstock of the community. His wife even says to him that maybe he should curse God and just simply die. This A student has a series of devastating Fs, a series of failures. Well, Job and three of his classmates, Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar, they begin to question why this A student is experiencing difficulties. I mean, after all, isn't Job blameless and upright? Isn't he the teacher's favorite? And after some speculation, Job, like many disgruntled students, concludes that he isn't at fault. His teacher is to blame for his problems. And so, like many dissatisfied students, Job demands a meeting with his teacher. Job demands some answers. He wants to know why it is that the teacher has it in for him. In his book, Disappointment with God, Philip Yancey tells the story about a man named Richard. Richard was a student of theology at Wheaton College Graduate School, and and while there, Richard had written a paper on the book of Job, which he wanted to publish as a book, and so he'd asked Phil Yancey to help him publish the book. Well, shortly before publication, Richard called Philip, and his voice was tense and edgy. Richard said, there's something I feel obligated to tell you. This book that you helped me with, I don't believe what I wrote anymore. I'm on my way over to explain. And for the next three hours, Richard told his story. It began with the breakup of his parents' marriage. His story continued with how a promising job opportunity had fallen through, of how his fiancée had jilted him by terminating the relationship without explanation, and how he had had a series of physical problems. Richard could not understand why a loving God would allow him to suffer such disappointment. I mean, most earthly fathers would not treat their own children this way. And so Richard had continued to attend worship services. But inside him, a large cancerous tumor of cynicism had begun to form. A malignant tumor of doubt had begun to spread, and it had become terminal. Richard concluded, maybe all my problems started with the study of Job. I used to love Job. He wasn't afraid to be honest with God. He, he took God on. But I guess the difference between us is what happened at the end. God came through for Job, but he didn't come through for me. He didn't come through for me. That's one conclusion, an erroneous one at that, that may be made as we undergo some of God's examinations. Another erroneous thought is that we are often being punished for our sin. What have I done wrong, Lord, that you are treating me this way? But there's at least one more way to respond to God's examination. 
And so let's go back to the book of Job and hear how God responds to Job's questions. God counters Job's arrogance and prideful attitude by administering an exam. You can read all of the questions of that exam in chapters 38 through 41. But the Lord begins by asking, Well, who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. So let's see how we do on a portion of the test that God gives Jacob, or Job in chapters 38 through 41. Here's a sample of some of the questions that our teacher asks. See how many you can answer. God asks, were you there when I made the world? If, if, if you know so much, tell me about it. Here's another one. On what were the earth footing set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning, while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Have, have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Have you entered into the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of the hail? And what is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? And can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or lead out the bear with its cubs? Do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you, here we are? And here's one final one. Do you give the horse his strength or clothe his neck with a flowing mane? Well, those are just ten questions of many that God asked of Job during that exam. And how did you score on the test? You flunked, right? If you're like me, you probably scored a big fat zero. Job knows how he scores. What is Job's response to God's examination, to his barrage of questions? Job says, I'm unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. In light of our inability to answer the Lord's questions, we might also ask ourselves, who am I? Who am I to question the ways of God? Who am I to darken the counsel of the teacher with words that lack knowledge? Who am I that I'm so bold and brash to question the actions of the creator of the universe and to admonish him? I put my hand over my mouth. I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Because of our sin, we deserve to be an eternal flunky. But the good news of the Bible is that our teacher grants a perfect mark to all people who believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. St. Paul expresses the truth this way, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Our gracious teacher directs our eyesight away from our failings 
to the one and only perfect student, Jesus Christ. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Our fellow student, Jesus Christ, is tested and he's examined in every way just as we are and then some and yet he is found to be without fault and without sin. Think of how Jesus is tested and examined throughout his life on earth. Think of, in particular, Gethsemane and Pilate's palace and Golgotha. I mean, Jesus is tested in, in ways we cannot begin to imagine, but Jesus passes every test with flying colors. He passes it perfectly. And so in Gethsemane, Jesus prays in the cool, quiet groves of olive trees. And although he possesses the authority to dispatch an army of angels in his own defense, Jesus doesn't do that. At one point, he falls down onto the ground, and he prays, Take this cup of suffering from me. And his his sweat falls to the ground in large drops like blood. And at this point, he might have quit. He might have just gotten up and walked away from that exam. But instead he perseveres. And in so doing, he passes the test. At Pilate's palace, the testing continues. And in the most literal way, Jesus' hands are tied. And the Son of God does not resist as fists pummel his body and his soldiers spit in his face. And again, no doubt Jesus is tempted to call down fire and lightning upon his savage enemies but he doesn't do it. And Jesus passes yet another test. The next scene, Christ's crucifixion, has been imagined for us in so many passion plays and movies and sermons and paintings that benumbed we can hardly imagine it for ourselves. But on Golgotha, the perfect student, the teacher's own son, takes upon himself all of our failings, all of our, all of our sins, and he's punished for them. But because Jesus endures the wrath of his father, of our teacher, for our failings, we are reconciled to our teacher. Jesus passes the test for us, and we're granted an A+. And so it's with this A+, the perfect grade in hand, that we can face all tests and 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 examinations, and we can even face death itself with the greatest of confidence. We will endure all setbacks and hardships and disasters and catastrophes and heartaches. You know, it's not a matter of if, but when these things will come. And our first thought might be as we go through these tests, through these heartaches, through these catastrophes, why me, Lord? What have I done to deserve this? What have I done to deserve your wrath? And we might even shake our fist at God, and we might even be tempted to curse him. But to try and to understand why these troubles have visited us lies beyond our comprehension. To hypothesize the causes and the reasons for the misfortunes is is not constructive and may ultimately dishonor God and might even lead us away from God. Failure. Failure is to walk away from God. Failure is to quit on our relationship with him like Richard did, the man I talked about earlier in this message. Instead, even as we go through these misfortunes, 
even when we can't understand how God is working in our life, we can still remain confident that in Christ, we are loved by God. We are forgiven by God. We can be certain that the one who commanded the winds and the rain to cease stands with us and he shelters us against the storms of life. And it's these God-revealed truths that make it possible for Paul to say, as he does in our epistle lesson, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles and hardships and distresses, in beatings and imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostures, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and not yet killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. You see, St. Paul understands that through all these trials and tribulations, he need not doubt the goodness of God. For he knows through Jesus Christ that he is loved and forgiven by his heavenly Father. In Christ, the perfect student, Paul possesses everything needed for his salvation. Even Job, during all of his troubles, ultimately clings to God's revealed truth. He says in these famous words, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, with my own eyes, I will see God. By the grace of God, Job persevered, and he passed the test. Yes, we will experience trials and tribulations. All sorts of examinations will come our way. And we will fail them. We will question the ways of God. We will doubt him. We'll wonder whether or not we're really loved by him. But friends, we can live each day with confidence. Confident that we are loved and forgiven by our Lord, by our teacher. For when he looks at us, he does not see our failings. He doesn't see the big F. No. In his eyes, because of Jesus Christ, we are an A-plus student. And therefore, we too can say with St. Paul, I'm sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. I'm poor, and yet I'm making people rich. I have nothing, and yet in Christ I possess everything. And with Job, we too can say, I know that my Redeemer lives. And in the end, he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, with my very own eyes, I will see God. We know that one day we will graduate. We will graduate from this life to the next, and we will receive a diploma from the hands of our Savior Jesus himself. And this diploma will have these words written on it. You are an A-plus student, and through the merits of Jesus Christ, the perfect student, 
you graduate summa cum laude with honors. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.